So glad to be here this morning. Kind of show you a little bit about, you know, the addiction that I have. It's outdoors and I find out people that love the outdoors. It's a, it's a, it's a connection. We're going to talk a little bit more about that, but I want you to help me. Since we can't do a high five this morning, I want you to look at somebody close to you and say this with me. Say, yeah. Yeah. Come on, turn to the other side and say, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and start it. When I point to you this morning, I want you to help me do this song. A couple songs I'm going to sing I wrote here this morning, so uh, you may not know them. Here we go. You ready? Nope. Absolutely free. There you go. Crank it up for me. Need a little guitar. I'm glad you're here this morning. I am. That dollar bill in your hand, you know it won't buy very much today. A little more than a moniker. You won't have much of your check left. All right. When all of those bills get paid. Call those groceries, utilities, listen man, and gasoline. Keep it higher all the time. You know, but one thing we can't afford today. Listen to me. I said it won't cost you one dime. Salvation is free. Yeah. Absolutely free. Good job. Jesus paid for it when he died on Calvary. Oh, yeah. And with all the money in this old world you gain. Buy it, don't you see? Somebody say what? Yeah. yeah. It won't cost you nothing. Oh, no. It's absolutely free. Oh, yeah. I know some of you are sitting here today and you're saying, come on, Tony. You're going to try to tell me that somebody is just going to give something away? Come on. That I don't have to work for it or earn it somehow. Oh, no, that sounds too good, you might say. But hear me out. Well, it's a gift of God, and it's not for sale, but it's life evermore. Yes, it is. And Jesus wants you to have it all today, my friend. Why don't you open up your heart's door? Salvation is free. Yeah, absolutely free. Come on. Jesus paid for it when he died on Calvary. I'm so glad he did. Come on. And with all the money in this old world you came, buy it, don't you see? Somebody help me shout what? Yeah. Won't cost you nothing. Oh, no. Why? It's absolute. Come on, sing it with me. Salvation is free. Yeah, absolutely free. Oh, yeah. Jesus paid for it when he died on Calvary. I'm so glad he did. Oh, yeah. And with all the money in this old world, you came by it, don't you see? Somebody help me say what? Yeah, I won't cost you nothing. Oh, no. Why? It's absolutely free. 
listen to me this morning. That's what the Bible says. No, no, it won't cost you a thing, friend. Listen, I say it's absolutely free. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to do another uh, uh, video. And uh, if you'll have a seat just a second, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what's going on. And kind of, and we'll do another song or two here in a minute. That's a good one. I like it. We already did that one. Okay. All right. Um, What I wanted to share with you this morning is... uh, because we've got the theme on the boat out there, fishermen. How many? How many think we ought to go fishing a little bit? Yeah. Okay. In uh, in what I do is I get a chance to go all across the country to talk to outdoors people who love to hunt and fish. And I'll tell you, it doesn't take much if you're an outdoor person to get somebody all. I mean, they get excited because we're talking about their passion. And I don't care if you're a golfer or whatever. I mean, I see I see people that you know have a golf church or have a camo church or whatever the church may be. And because why they have actually connected with people and sharing their passion, but they introduce Jesus just like the sea back here. Isn't that cool? That no matter, not everybody rides a bike. Everybody kind of wants to ride a bike, but everybody doesn't ride a bike. But these guys are out there sharing the gospel with the people who do love it. But let's, let's go to, let's go fishing this morning. I'm going to take you and introduce you to my wife. Her name's Kim. She's going to be on the video with me. We're going to go down and catch some cobia and some mahi-mahi. Uh, how many have ever uh, been on the deep sea fishing and you've caught some of these kind of I mean, red snapper, you might know that. But this morning, the mahi-mahi is kind of where we're going to start off with. So go ahead and roll it for us, guys. We'll get started. All right, we're on the jizzy. Fortunate enough this morning to be fishing with my lovely wife, Kim Bolton. Bringing her morning joe. We're in Destin, Florida. Um, actually, when we're going trolling, really, that's kind of what it is. We're trolling up and down the beach. We're using uh, uh, the crow's nest up top because we actually spot the fish and then throw the lure right on top of them, and they they attack it. They just they, they think it's uh, some of the small uh, bait fish on top of there. So that's how we do. We're up and down the beach. Trolling. We've got hooked up here a mahi mahi. Now you may have gone to a restaurant and asked for a dolphin fish. That's what it is. But typically people don't like to ask, I want to eat a dolphin because you're not eating a porpoise or something. So the people in Hawaii made it easy for us and they call this fish mahi mahi. And if you haven't ever eaten one, they're delicious. They're actually, but they're a great sport fish. They give you a little show, they'll jump up out of the water. Uh, they are uh, neon colors in the water. While they're alive, I mean, they are spectacular. And when you take them out of the water, I mean, you watch the colors just kind of dissipate right in front of you. It's pretty amazing. Um, you can have uh, a bull dolphin, which has a large head, uh, and a cow dolphin, which this is a cow. And uh, so they usually get probably maximum 35, 40 pounds. Um, 
and they only live maybe three or four years. So it's kind of interesting. Now this guy, Alex, has got the uh, the most important job on this uh, fishing trip here. He's got to set the gaff and get him in the boat. Here we go. All right. Oh yeah. Booyah. Yes. Again, we're throwing the bait right in front of uh, the cobia because they feed up on the sandbars. And uh, Pastor Jonathan mentioned something this morning that's so important too, and they told me this too. You fight this fish as long as you can because as long as he's hooked up, the other fish underneath keep circling the back boat so everybody in there tries... Uh, to keep you on line and you may be on there 45 minutes you're thinking man I just got to get my fish in the boat but no there's a there's a reason for doing that so the other fish keep coming up this this was uh, about 40 pounds but actually we did see about a 90 or 75 pound fish swimming along with this guy so there was a much bigger fish we just didn't get it on this one Alex is going to hook him up he d- this guy's uh Gonna beat you to death if you don't get him in the box. Since it's Father's Day, how many know Father's Day is like to cook out? You like to grill? Somebody say booyah. Okay, you love to get the grill going. Well, we're gonna take this guy back to the dock, get him all cleaned up, put him on the grill. And if you've never had blackened uh, cobia or mahi mahi or amberjack or red snapper, you're missing it out. Uh, these guys fillet it out for us and then he hit it on the grill. Here we go. Hey, end of a perfect day, Kobe fishing. This is how you do it. This is what it looks supposed to look like. Blacken it in the grill and serve it up. Turn it off. Listen, that's what you need to do. Hope you enjoy our little outing today. Booby out. Fresh and fresh. That looked good to eat, didn't it? Well, let me tell you a little something about the word booyah. It's kind of, it's one of, it's my word and I give it to everybody that wants to, uh, take, take it to their possession. In the Urban Dictionary, booyah means this. How awesome is that? Now, how many have seen guys when they get out in the hunt and they fish and they fool themselves? I mean, guys don't get fooled themselves, do they? I mean, in Arkansas? Anyway, but I'm, where I am, they get fooled themselves. So they'll just, they'll reel something in, they'll shoot something, they go, Booyah! I mean, it's kind of like, did you see that? Did you see what I just did? How awesome is that? That's what the word means. So I just kind of took it on myself. When you look out and you see what God does, and you see what uh, all these guys, so I kind of use that word all the time. So that's why, I, but I put a little, you know, uh, word on it, baby on the end of it just because it's me. But hey, I want you to help me this morning. So one, two, three, booyah! Booyah! Now, hey, the key about that is you have to say booyah with a little bit of attitude. So I want you to look at your neighbor and say it like you. You, you, you see me? Booyah. Okay. Ready? Look at your neighbor. One, two, three, and say booyah. I think you can even do it better than that. Okay, one more time. Give them a little more attitude. One, two, three, what? 
Booyah, baby. Okay, that's what it's all about. Well, the other thing is, what is the, you know, the, the theme of my ministry at, to where I go? It's called Pray for Pray. My youngest daughter, we were kind of racking our brain, kind of thinking, what, what can our ministry, you know, connect with or whatever? And, she, and, and you know this to be true. If you're a fisherman or you're a hunter, whatever, you always say a little prayer while you're at work. Okay, you're sitting in the deer stand. You're saying, Lord, if you could just let him step out. one, Just step him out. Let him, let him get close enough to take a shot. Lord, make it a nice one this morning. Lord, let, help me with this cast so I can get this fish in the boat. How many of you know uh, sportsmen, they pray a lot. They, they lie a lot, but they pray a lot too. And they say things like, Lord, if you just let me get this deer, if you just let me get this duck, if you just let me catch this fish, I'll go to church next week, Lord. I'll, they promised God all kinds of things in the boat and in the deer stand. So anyway, so we came up with pray for prey. So that's kind of how my ministry, and it kind of connects with lots of different people. And um, so, but uh, I thought this morning that uh, we could kind of get acquainted with what I do and where I go. And I've been to the West Coast, the East Coast, North, South. It's just amazing how that people that have these passions are uh, easy to connect with. Because people like Phil Robertson, you know, they've made it easy. Once you put on camo... How I many you know some people are already connected with you? I mean, he's a bro. He gets it. He, he's, he's one of us. He's one of us. So anyway, it's easy to connect once you do that. And I can go into any Walmart anywhere and start up a conversation with somebody just by the way you're dressed. How many you know that's true? If you're an Arkansas fan, you got a Razorback fan uh, shirt on. How many you know that you connect with people? I mean, whatever people wear, whatever they do, they connect with people. And uh, I always say this. Uh, Jesus, uh, steeple never died for people. Only Jesus died for people. So Jesus is in the people business. Amen? So He's in the people business. And so we need to be in the people business. But it is Father's Day. And so I'm going to um, sing another song. Uh, I'd like for you to put a, a picture up of my dad. Um, if you guys don't mind. We had a picture up earlier. And I'll introduce you to my dad, uh, James Bolton. Uh, and I am a James myself, but I'm a James Anthony. And uh, so, uh, my dad, you're looking at uh, my best friend, my mentor. Uh, he is a, he's a he loves music. Uh, he's the reason why I'm, I play a guitar today, and uh, I love him. He is 89 years old. He's in great health. He's driving, and I'll tell you a little secret. You know, everybody's got a little. Uh, uh, Something about your parents is my dad is 89 years old and never had a speeding ticket. Now look at yourself, neighbor, and say, "Boy, it ain't you," because you know I know what you can do. You got some tickets. You got some, you know, you know. But he's been blessed. Maybe it's better luck than management. But anyway, uh, he's uh, he's a uh, somebody I look up to, and I I hope if you have a dad today that you'll call him, pick up the phone, call your dad, and tell him you love him. Um, years ago. Um, I was uh, working on a, uh, a farm, and uh, I probably don't look like a farmer, but uh, I was. Uh, we farmed about 2,000 acres, and uh, my uncle and I, and maybe another guy. And uh, while riding the tractor, thinking about family and my dad, uh, I wrote a song. And then when we moved to Nashville uh, years ago, 
we've always, my wife and I have sang Christian, contemporary Christian music and had a band and had the whole nine yards. And, and uh, when we moved to Nashville, they said, well, uh, do you do anything country? And so we went back and got a, a few songs that we had written when I was really a young guy. And uh, so uh, we put a little um, bad Brad Paisley guitar kind of stuff on it. And anybody like country music? Okay, well, this is for you. All right, Daddy's old time religion. Here we go. Crank it up for me on the monitor. Here we go. As just a kid, I remember sitting on Daddy's knee. I tried every way I knew I wanted just like him to be. I followed him everywhere he went. I was right there in his shoes. Daddy took me to church and told me of Jesus there in Sunday school. Years rolled along, I watched his life more and more each day. Seemed all heaven would come down when my daddy would pray. Showed me that you could live the life in the night I prayed through. I asked the Lord to save my soul and this one thing please do. Lord, just give me religion like Daddy's got. The kind that lives on the victory side. The kind that makes you know that you're saved and fully sanctified. Oh, no, no, not just the kind come Sunday morning, but seven days all through. I don't want no other kind, Lord, just the old time way you do. Yes, you could say, Daddy started what you're hearing today. I just sing songs and tell folks of Jesus, He's the only way. To have real life, you receive His love, and then you live to give it away. It's still the old rugged cross, His amazing grace, that's all it takes, just ask Him today. He'll give you that old-time religion like Daddy's got the kind that lives on the victory side. The kind that makes you know that you're saved and fully sanctified. Oh no, it's not just a kind on Sunday morning, but seven days all through. I don't want no other kind, Lord, just the old time way you do. And he gave me that old time religion like daddy's got, the kind that lives on the victory side. The kind that makes you know that you're saved and fully sanctified. Oh no, it's not just a kind come Sunday morning, but seven days all through. I don't want no other kind, Lord, just the old time way we do. Here we go, play the fiddle. Come on, put your hands together, help me out. Here we go. There you go. Here we go. A little Brad on the guitar. Walk it up. And he gave me that old time religion like daddy's got the kind that lives on the victory side. The kind that made you know that you're saved and fully sanctified. Oh, no, no, not just the kind of Sunday morning, but seven days all through. I don't want no other kind, Lord, just the old time we do. 
I don't want no other kind, Lord. Just the old time way will do. Just the old time way will do. Amen. Well, uh, that's my heritage. My dad uh, has been such a blessing to me. And uh, although my dad was not a hunter to speak of, he did a little bit. But he didn't have uh, the wild passion for outdoors that I did. Although I come to find out in later life, I have this, uh, I never really hunted turkeys when I was growing up. But when I got with a friend who took me turkey hunting it's an addiction you know you see like my guitar is called obsession how many know some people that are obsessed with things you just it may be clothes it may be golf i don't know what it is but they have an obsession well that kind of is an example because the camo that they wear is called obsession anyway i love turkey hunting and come to find out that my grandfather was known for being one of the best turkey hunters in northwest florida so you know, there's something about that. I hadn't quite figured it out. But anyway, I'm going to take you on a quick hunt. It's called uh, a double kill. And for those of you, do we have any hunters in the crowd? Do you hunt? Okay, well, then you'll get a blessing and the rest of us will endure it. Okay, hold on. Here we go. And you'll have to crank this one up a little bit too, brother. This is called the slow walk. Some of you might think you have an amen on your lips this morning, but today's uh, kind of a, not a conventional thing. So every time you feel like something's connecting with you, how about just give me a big booyah? Okay, that'd be good. So people won't know what you're, you're saying until you get explain it to them. But these outdoor things are to be shared and to be experienced. I, I think one of the things that I've, I've learned is that we all are called to ministry. I hear people say, I don't, I don't have a ministry. I don't, I don't know what my ministry is. Well, what is your passion? What do you love to do? You know, we, we're, we're not all 
ministers of the gospel like behind the pulpit. But we're all preachers. Amen. I love this. Uh, there's a saying that says, preach the gospel, preach the gospel, preach the gospel. And if necessary, use words. Eighty percent. Think about this. Eighty percent of your communication is nonverbal. You want to know how to get reach people? You want to know how to connect with people? And it's all about connections. I call mine the camo connection because people see, oh, what do you do? You love to hunt fish? Okay, I get it, you know. And there are people like, that don't get it. My wife does not get it. She'll, she, I come home and I'll be gone all day. She said, did you kill something? I go, no, but it was wonderful. And she goes, that's crazy. You fished all day, did you kick any fish? No, but it was wonderful. That's nuts. She doesn't get it. But when you're around the people who do, a buddy of mine was in his kayak for eight hours and rode like eight or nine miles. And he didn't even catch a fish. And the end of the video, he made a little video. He goes, it was awesome. That's because that's a passion and a love of his. But let me just tell you something. Every one of us in the room are called to connect to people. And what's wrong with our culture today is we've not, we don't care to connect with people. We're lazy and we're selfish and we need to connect with people. We need to love people. You know what I'm talking about? We need to love people. And you, you say, how can you love people? God has made it so easy for us to start with and all we have to do is smile. Turn to your neighbor and smile. Do you want to connect with somebody? Look approachable. Look like you want to be involved in a conversation. Look like you care. Look like you think about, hey, you know what? If I had an opportunity here, I could, I could open a door here. We could become friends. And you have to have the common ground. Whatever that common ground is, if it's a motorcycle, you know, I ride a Kawasaki, which is, uh, you know, kind of a down when you're, if you're around uh, Harley Davidson. But, you know, those kind of things. You find the people that are connected to certain things, and then you just engage with them. Open up the door for conversation. Jesus opened up the door wherever He was to conversation. Remember the woman at the well? We're talking about this morning in Matthew. Jesus told a bunch of fishermen, He said, If you'll change what you're doing, follow me, I will make you... He was saying to them, I, I get that you're a fisherman. Jesus connected with these guys long before He called them to be His disciples and He would make them fishers of men. He was involved in Andrew. Andrew heard Him. Uh, Jesus was at Simon Peter's house and He healed His mother-in-law. How many know He should have found Jesus a long time ago? Because if mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Because If your mother-in-law is sick, then your wife's not happy. And then how many know you ain't happy? Jesus went there to his house and healed his mother-in-law because you know what he was doing? He was making a connection in your life. When you hit home with people and you reach out and you become connected to people, that's the starting ground. That's the connection. That's where it's all about. People don't come to church for the praise and worship and for the message. That's not the first connection. People come to church because they know somebody they got family, they got a friend, they got an invitation, and they reached out because somebody cared. Somebody needs to say booyah of that because that's good. Because that connection is the starting point. That's the common ground. I say this, until you have a connection and you have a common ground, you can never take somebody to the next level, and that's the higher ground. Because how can you share? You can't deposit into somebody's life because you haven't earned it yet. How many know you'll listen to a friend? 
But somebody that's not interested in you and has not made a deposit in your life, that's an opinion. But when somebody has earned your friendship, has made the effort, and I tell you what, I, I try my best to hunt with people and to get involved in people that I don't even know that aren't even believers yet. I'll never forget, I went to Walmart in uh, Franklin, Tennessee, and uh, walked in with my oldest son, and we went into the sporting goods section, and we were just checking it all out, and this guy behind the counter, and I said, hey, how you doing? We're looking at the, you know, different stuff, and talking about hunting, and carrying on. I mean, before he showed me his family, he wanted to show me a a deer and a turkey he killed. I mean, he, he flipped out his phone. You know, we don't do the wallet anymore. We just flip up the phone, and just, you know, scroll here, check this out, man, look at this, it's awesome. So we just started talking, and we were carrying on, and uh, and and then next thing I knew, he was a bird hunter. He was had bird dogs, and I mean, when we walked out of there, we were going hunting the next week. And my son said, "Dad, do you know this guy?" I said, "I never met him before." And he said, "And we're, and we're and we're going hunting with him." I said, "Man, you got to make connections, son. You got to be salt and light. How many know you got your call to be salt and light?" Step out of the boat. Step out of the step out of the comfort zone of where you in. Make that connection today. This guy is one of my closest friends, and uh, I've actually gone to his church and ministered there. And I'll never I'll never forget this. God wants to see how connected you are because He wants to know if you're committed. You got to have a connection, but then you got to have a commitment. And you know those kind of things in our life are a little more risky. I'll never forget this. I was, I was thinking, boy, thank you, Lord. I've got this guy, and, and we're just we're just enjoying fellowship, and we're we're going hunting and everything. He calls me up one day. And he says, Tony, I need to borrow a hundred dollars. Oh, it was all good and wonderful until you. Oh, oh hello. Hey, 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 hey. Hundred dollars. I don't. I don't think you heard from the Lord. I, I'm not sure about that. He says, I'll pay you back. I, I'm just in a jam, but um, I, I, I need $100. So I told Kim, I said, hey, you know, this is where really the test is maybe on my part than on his part. But I said, you know what? He thought enough that he could come to me. Listen to this. This is important. That he could, he could humble himself and say, I need help. Would you help me? Listen, there's a lot of people that don't feel like they can come to you and say, I need help, because they don't know if you really mean the relationship that you have. And I told Kim this. I said, you know what? I'll give that $100 to the Lord. I don't care if He ever pays me back. But I want Him to know that as a Christian and as a believer, I believe that God believes in people. And I know that if He never gives it back to me, I've invested in the kingdom of God because I am outreaching people. So I said, come on by, brother. I'll find it. And so I met him in a parking lot. And it was kind of a weird deal. You know, you, I mean, you have slip, slip a guy $100, you know, you hope somebody's not watching you, you know. And uh, so we made that, and he said, thank you. He was true to his word. Next Friday, he came back and said, I really appreciate that. Are we committed to the point that it cost us to do something? 
I never forget when I first moved to Nashville, pulled up to my house. We had a little uh, white house on a kind of a hill, and I pulled up my driveway. And Kim, my wife, she's involved in women's ministry, so she she's out at that time. She was like 43 weekends a, a year out doing women's conferences all over the country, north, south, east, and west. And so I was home with the boys, and uh, so I pulled up my driveway, and I, just as I got to the top, I saw somebody running off the top of my roof. Turned two flips. Then I saw him come back up. He came back down. He went back up. I pulled up in the driveway. It was my youngest son. He was jumping off my roof onto the trampoline. He said, Dad, this is cool. I said, this is not cool. And then to my surprise, there were eight boys, six or eight boys in my backyard that I did not know. Now, as a father, if I can get a witness in this room, I mean, that is a little concerning. My boys had just started school. We just moved to a new area. We're in the sub. He goes, oh, dad, these are the buddies from the subdivision. How many know you need to know the buddies from the subdivision? I said, well, that's great. Come on in. Let me, let me introduce you. And they, they came around. I said, great. Y'all want to stay for dinner? How much are you willing to commit? How, how far are you going to take it? Well, here's the long story. Those boys that were in my backyard did not have a dad. Did not have a dad. And did not know a whole lot about the outdoors or whatever. So the long story, we took them. I said, hey guys, we love to hunt and fish and carry on. And they're like, oh, that sounds good, Mr. Bolton. Uh, We've never done that. I said, well, I'll tell you where we start. We'll go to a hunter safety course. And my boys had already been through a hunter safety course. So my guys were saying like, well, that's good, Dad. We don't have to go. I said, oh, yeah, you're going again. Because if your friend goes, you go with your friend. Come on now. You don't, that's right. You don't send somebody, you take somebody. You want to invite somebody to church? And they kind of, you know, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, I'll be about to pick you up. I'll make the trip. Hey, that's way out of my way. How many know ministry is expensive? It costs you. Are you committed to it? Anyway, these guys went. I'll never forget when I pulled up, the the guy in the hunter safety course said, Man, did you bring the whole cul-de-sac? I said, I sure did. The whole cul-de-sac. They went through. Then I had to go to Academy Sports and then outfit them. How many know you can't have a hunter without camo? I mean, come on. These boys are in their teens. they got to look the part. I had to buy boots. Had to buy pants. Had to buy a shirt. Had to buy a vest. Had to buy a hat. And then they said, Mr. Bolt, we don't have a gun. I said, i got plenty of guns. I ain't worried about that. But I'll never forget. I carried in my Bible a picture of these guys standing there going, man, don't I look good. They had a booyah moment. Those guys... I'm still involved in their life today. Two weeks ago, one of them was at my house. He said, Mr. Bolton, I keep up with you on your Facebook page and on your thing. I I sure am excited about your hunting ministry. Now, what's going on with that? You have to make a deposit. You have to make a commitment to somebody's life. God will change lives when we're busy about the God's business. You know, Jesus said this when he was just a small guy. He said, I must be about my what? Jesus is in the business of people. We're making connections. We're making commitments on our life. And Jesus is in the middle of all that. 
I'll tell you what, I never was get so excited as when um, you find these people that come to these events and people that are in their 80s, it's, it's amazing. They've never asked Jesus to come in their life, find Jesus at a wild game dinner. Or they find Jesus at a fish fry or whatever, whatever's going on. These are investments that people like Victory Church has made into their wild game dinner. Because why? We believe in people. Jesus wants us to love people. And when you love people, you'll go out of your way. You'll do those things that are not convenient. And ministry usually is never convenient. Somebody say booyah. It's usually never convenient. But I want to tell you what. It's worth it. Those guys today have had an experience with somebody who loves them. Their dad was not there. And you say, well, why is that important? Why are you so excited about men? Well, I'll tell you why. Because if a young person finds the Lord... Um, statistics say there's a 3% chance that that family unit will come to know Jesus and be a Christian family. How many know 3% will take it? We'll take 3%. If the mom gets saved, just the mom gets saved in that family unit, there's a 17% chance approximately that that family will become a Christian. As a How many know we'll take 17%? Any day. But if the dad gives his life to Jesus, goes into 90% chance that that family unit will come to know Jesus as a family and be, be a Christian. Let me just tell you, I want that. I want men to fall in line with Jesus and win their whole family to the Lord. Listen, let me tell you, there are, there are dads that have left. There are, there are situations, as um, Pastor Jonathan has talked about, where it's a bad experience. It's the same thing every year for Mother's Day. There are people who don't like to come to church on Mother's Day because they, they have a bad situation in their family. There are people on Father's Day. They, they can't stand the memories of all that. But let me just tell you, you have a Heavenly Father that goes far beyond all that we could think or comprehend. And when you read the um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love never fails. Well, who are we talking about? Are we talking about our daddy? No. We're not talking... God is love. And His Son became flesh and bone for us. He was the love that we needed. God sent love down and it died on the cross for us. Love never... Read that... 13th chapter of Corinthians, and you say, love is long-suffering. It doesn't hold a grudge. It doesn't bear false witness. Who are we talking about? We're talking about Jesus. He's looking down at you. He's not holding your past against you. He's not saying you're guilty. You'll always be the same. He's saying if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. That old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. We're talking about a, a, a... a situation where you are changed by the power of God. And I was just getting a, a brief um, introduction to some of you here in just past years. You've given your life to Jesus. Your life has been turned around. And God has put a new love and desire in your heart to serve Him and live for Him. But I want to tell you today, there are people who still yet need to know about Jesus. Because in the world that I go out and I minister to, there are guys that think, well, I've got deer hanging on the wall. i got 
got a, a another trophy I want to get out in Colorado. They think it's all in what you achieve. Let me tell you something. You can never make enough money. You can never have enough accomplishments. You can never be uh, fulfilled by all the things you think. You can never have enough cars and house and land and all of those things that will ever satisfy the God hole in your heart. Only one thing can satisfy us, and that is Jesus Christ. When we come, that's right, booyah. When we, when He comes into our life, I wrote a song years ago, just says that, in Jesus, I'm satisfied. Let me just tell you, in Jesus, He meets every desire, every longing. He fulfills everything that we were ever created to have in that hole that's been filled. It's all found in that. And you know what? Once we once we find that, that we've made the connection, we've made the commitment, and we share it, we have the confidence that God will do what He said He will do. I want to tell you, as a dad, I know Brother Jonathan well enough to know that he knows that if God says that by His stripes you are healed, that you can take that to the bank. You can take that home with you. You can nail it to the wall. It will happen. You just hang on to what God says. And you say, well, I haven't seen it. Listen, if you have to stand there and by faith claim it, you say what God says. You speak the word that you know. I told somebody the other day, says, well, you know, what, what happens if you die from, um, from something or whatever you know, comes in your life? I said, you know what? Let me die in faith. Because I want my last words to be, God said. I'll step out of this world into eternity and He will hear me say, and God said. You are precious. You are a treasure. You're not a mistake. God has a purpose for your life. I could tell you stories of people who felt like they didn't even have a ministry in uh, in, uh, uh Kansas City, Missouri, uh, we went into a church and the pastor had made a, uh, uh, a message on finding your gift. How many know if the Lord would tell you what to do, you'd do it? Come on. I mean, most of us are in that. If, if God would tell me what to do, I'd do it. I just can't figure out what He wants me to do. Well, let me just give you a little secret. You know, when I, when I was young, I, I, I had this fear of giving my heart to the Lord because I thought the Lord would make me do something I didn't want to do. You ever have that thought? God's going to make me... I, I thought, God's going to uh, make me be a missionary to Africa and make me marry somebody I can't kiss. I don't know what God's going to do. I, I figure it's, it's going to be bad, whatever it is. And I just don't want to give my heart to the Lord yet. I just got too much time on my hands. and I, It's too much fun to be had. And I don't, want, I don't want to choke out by giving my life to Christ. That's a lie. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no variableness nor shadow of turning. Everything that's good, God wants to give it to you. But let me tell you, there's somebody that wants to come along and he's called the thief. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So he's going to tell you a lie. He's a liar. How many know the devil is a liar? So just say it out loud. Devil is a liar. So he's going to lie to you and tell you all the reasons why you can't, why you shouldn't, and why you don't. But Jesus is saying, I've come to give you life. Not only life, but life more abundantly. You know, I, I, can, I can go out and have a good time. 
When you're doing something you enjoy, how many can think of something that you really enjoy? And you know what? You could enjoy that if nobody else did. Because why? You enjoy it. I tell people sometimes when I'm in different churches, because I go in you know, all kinds of churches, I said, I don't know if y'all going to have a good time tonight, but I'm going to have a good time. So if you just need to be a spectator for a while, you just watch me. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to enjoy singing. I'm going to enjoy telling folks about my stories and whatever. Because every adventure is a story. And I love to go into like these wild games because they get to tell me the story behind it. And it is, it, it's like, and they'll, they'll write me and they'll, they'll send me pics and all those kind of things. Because why? They want, me, they want to tell about the adventure. Your adventure with Jesus, your life with Him, people want to hear it. And the greatest uh, writer in the New Testament, Paul, started out by just telling his story over and over again. I was riding my donkey. I got struck by a light. I couldn't see. I thought I was doing my gig. I was in, the, in, in pursuit of something. But God stopped me. Changed my life. Turned me around. And God used that story. Can I tell you, if you just start telling your story... If you just start talking about things you love and you just let Jesus kind of come in the door. I start talking about hunting and fishing. I can tell you stories. I went to, to Florida. These, these kids, uh, young I'm I'm um, always interested in hunting with people that are younger than me. Challenges me. 35-year-old guy can really cover some ground. I went to uh, South Dakota with two guys that are 35 years old, and we walked 10 miles a day. It's put up or shut up. I mean, you, 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 just, you, just, you just got to get it. And that's, it's a challenge. How many know men love a challenge? That's what I like. And it's nice on Father's Day that we realize that the, the position of the dad is to challenge your children. Challenge them lovingly, but challenge them. You know, I never hear the mom. The mom is to nurture the family, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? You read that in the Bible. The, the lady is to nurture the family. She's kind of, she's kind of holds it all together. But the dad is a teacher. Can I, I mean, I don't know if men love to teach. Women, uh, can I get a witness that your husband's always telling you what to do and how to do it? And, and why is that? It's because he's a teacher. He says because he knows. I don't know about that. but God made us this way that we are instructors. Why do you think the Bible says, train up a child the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart? Training. And what is training? Training is repetitious. You're not... You're not Yelling at your kids one day and cussing and screaming on Monday and then go to church and go, Hey, yeah, you know Jesus loves you. Because you know why? Nobody knows you better than your family. Nobody knows you better than your wife. Nobody knows you better than your kids. And when they see you, they know you. If you say He's real, they're going to know. Train up a child in the way he's going. I, I just recently had a uh, dog that I've been training. And uh, my wife will, will come along and she'll just say, um, I'll give him a biscuit. I said, no. Nope. No biscuit for him. When he does something that I want him to do, I give him a biscuit. 
reward. Repetition. He does, he, I'm training him to do it because he loves me. Pretty soon I don't give him a biscuit. I'll just say, hey, sit. Boop. He pops. I'll say, come here. He comes right here. If, you, if he always just gets a reward, then he goes, you got a biscuit over there? I ain't, I ain't coming. I'm sorry, I ain't coming. So dads, train up your child in the way they should go. But let me just tell you this. Sometimes you have to challenge your kids. I've never heard mom say, hey, rub some dirt on it. Suck it up, Barbie. A guy has to talk to a guy like a guy needs to be talked to. And sometimes we just need to man up. Can I get a witness? Sometimes we just need to man up. Now that doesn't mean that it's humiliating. That doesn't mean you're trying to shame somebody. That means you're just trying to, as a man, you're trying to challenge somebody. When we were recording, you know what the number one thing they told us when we'd, we'd, we'd do a song? Hey, uh, you got a better one. I was like, are you kidding me? I just sang my lungs out. That's the, that's the best I got. Uh, no, I believe you got a better one. You sing the song again. After a while, you didn't realize you were doing something different, that that's what he wanted on that, on that recording. He said, there you go, there you go. You did it differently. You got it. Now, whether that was what I thought, it's what he's trying to pull out of me. As a teacher, there are gifts in your children that you want to pull out of them. There are things that you, you know God's got gifts in them and you want to pull it out of them. So you have to challenge them. And you do it with love. I text my boys, I text my girls, and I say, I love you and I'm proud of you. Not because of what they did on a given day, but because they need to know that their earthly dad loves them and is proud of them. And sometimes they'll say, man, I needed that today, dad. It's good to know that you love me. You're proud of me. Because they don't feel like, that today. They don't feel very loved. Anybody ever wake up and not feel loved? But I want to tell you, you are loved. You are cherished. You are precious. And God has a plan for your life. Booyah. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I want to tell you, the best life you've ever lived is ahead of you. It's exciting. It's so cool. I'll tell you what, I never know what God has in store for me. On a daily basis. I never know who I'm going to get to pray with. Or just put a little nugget. You know, sometimes we get, we get caught up in that we have to nail the deal. Seal the deal. You know, be the one to make somebody pray the sinner's prayer or whatever the case may be. You know what? You might be, a, you might be the watering can. You know, you might be the one that comes around and pulls the weeds out and kind of dresses it up a little bit. You might be the one that's putting a little manure around the, the plant. You know, without fertilizer, stuff don't grow. Whatever you're depositing in somebody else's life, God will use it. Because the motivation for everything we do is one thing. We have to be motivated by love. Love never fails. Love never fails. Love always examines itself and says, Is this about me or is this about you? Jesus came down and gave his life. The love that we needed, the God, that form of love that knew that he saw beyond our faults 
and saw our need. That he stretched out his arms and said, they can never do it on their own. I'll do it for them. He's reaching out his arms today and he's saying, can you trust me? With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, whatever. let me just ask you a question. If Jesus were to come today, your heart quit beating, you never saw another sunrise. How many in this room can say, Tony, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, if I died today, I know I'd go to heaven. Throw your hand way up high, put it down. Boy, the confidence. The confidence in knowing that that decision in your life, the greatest decision of your life, has already been decided. You know you're going to go to heaven. But maybe you didn't, couldn't raise your hand for some doubt, fear, a sin, a habit. Something standing in between you and God and you couldn't raise your hand with confidence. I want to tell you today, before you leave, you can. And for fear that somebody would not pray, I'd like for us all in this whole room just repeat this prayer after me. Would everybody say this? Dear Lord Jesus, today, Lord, I invite you into my life. I repent of my sins. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And when life is over, give me a home in heaven. And from this day forward, I want to serve you with all my heart. This I pray and believe in Jesus' name. I want to tell you, by the authority of God's Word, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, then you became a Christian. Jesus just became a part of your life. Your life has changed. You will be a new creature in Christ Jesus. The old things have passed away. And whatever you had black and and stained on a piece of paper, you get a white sheet right now. It's gone. Though your sins were as scarlet, the Bible says they'll be as white as snow. You got a brand new page. A brand new page. Now I want to pray one more time. If you're here today and you got a need in your life, you're struggling, maybe physically, financially, spiritually, emotionally, something's going on, your family's direct, you're believing for somebody. As a dad today, you're believing for your kids to come to the Lord. I'm going to ask you to stand up right where you are. You don't have to move forward, but if you need prayer, you want us to agree with you, whatever's going on in your life, would you stand? Would you just stand up right where you are so we'll know what's going on? Because somebody's got a child that they're believing for the Lord to save, a spouse, a friend, a neighbor. Okay, we see it all over. Thank you for standing. Let's pray together. Jesus, right now, Lord, we agree together with these and the needs in this house. And we ask you, Lord, that you supernaturally go into those places, touch lives, send people to tell other people about the gospel. Because it may not be us that has that opportunity, but we ask that you send somebody. Send a, a friend, a neighbor, a co-worker to step into their life. Help us, Lord, to put our trust and our faith in You. And everything You promised, You will do. You're a good, good Father. And today, Lord, You're standing with arms open wide. Because You love us. You love us. And so we can freely come to You as our Dad, as our Heavenly Father, and know that You receive us and You love us.